You're listening to Eye on the Community. I'm Vicki Pepper. This year, individuals and businesses are dealing with furloughs, reduced pay, and increased costs. And it's a lot of financial stress for all of us. On the line with me is wealth management expert John Smallwood. I'm hoping, John, that you'll be able to help us identify those financial stress points and tell us what we can do about them. I sure hope so. Thank you for having me on. The main financial stress point that that I'm experiencing right now with a lot of my clients are mainly it's either them or somebody in their family is out of work and or their incomes are dramatically downsized as a result of that, which is creating like a ripple effect or a cascade through their entire plan. And then there's the uncertainty of taxes. People are really suffering from inflation, uh, meaning getting out of the grocery store with the same amount of, you know, the bag being full with the same amount of money is not an easy task, meaning everything's getting more expensive. So there's a lot of pressure mounting from that. Kids go to college, a lot of pressure. What do you think are the main financial related aspects that people should focus on in analyzing different origins and impacts of financial pressure? Well, one of the things I think is really important is you want to, you want to start with creating in essence, a, a summary of the key points of your plan. You want to sit down and look at where am I right now? How old am I? Do I have any issues that I need to be aware of? My spouse, my kids, my parents, my, my siblings, my in-laws, my outlaws, whatever you want to call them. And understanding where are they and what's going on and what pressure is that putting onto your plan in your income you know, what's happening with your income sources. Uh, I'm seeing people with rental properties that have been, you know, positively producing where the rental properties are now, you know, the tenants aren't paying, they're not paying the right amount of money. So they're having trouble meeting their mortgage payments without using their own cash. The taxes we're seeing from an income tax perspective, most people don't understand how much money is really going out the door for taxes and they're not, they're paying a lot more than they probably should. So we want to understand that. We want to understand where the savings are. You know, where are you putting money aside every single month, every single week? Are you able to maintain that? What's the debt structure? Right now, the debt structure, I think, is probably one of the biggest pressure points that I'm seeing for a lot of a lot of people. They're writing up credit cards. Um, I just saw somebody today who came in, and it was the daughter of one of my older clients, and she had about six credit cards. Average interest rate was about 18%. And it was due to, it wasn't COVID or crisis related, but it was a couple of years ago, she lost her job and she's been riding this for a while. It's painful. So as you start to go through it, you really want to understand everybody's plan is unique and different than everybody else's. And they all have pressure points, even in the protection area, car insurance, homeowners insurance, all these things are creeping up in price and causing people to hemorrhage money. So what we want to do is we want to reevaluate everything and get the maximum amount of protection, get the least amount of cost, make sure, you know, the thing that I'm seeing frequently too, I don't mean to run on here, but the amount of streaming services that we now all have because we needed to watch that show is actually adding up to a lot more money than we think it is. $4.95 here, $9.99 there. Right? So... So there's a lot of, I mean, everywhere in the plan, there's money leaking out. How do we identify it first? And then how do we fix it is the second question. So what's an accurate way for people to determine how much money they will need to save for retirement? That's a great question. In my new book, 
that we have that's called It's Your Wealth, Keep It. Chapter three is all about savings rate. And it talks about the mindset, really, of the person who saves versus who doesn't save and where it puts you up. But, but the idea is that if a person's making $100,000 or less, it's really hard to save 10% of that growth because of all of, you know, depending on you're in California, I'm in New Jersey, you know, we're on two opposite coasts. We happen to be on the two most expensive places to, to live, right? It's hard to live on $100,000 and save money, okay, a family household. So the idea is we want to develop strategies to get you up to that 10%. And then when you cross above that 100000 we want to we want you to be moving towards 15, you know, get above 200,000, 250,000, you're trying to get to 15 to 20%. Because the key is, what I find is that if we don't put the money away, our lifestyle is higher, right? When our lifestyle is higher, it's harder to save money and it's harder for the savings to work. And I think it's really important to sort of put yourself in a position where you you reverse budget, right? Save first, spend second. And most people spend first, save second. So there's not a lot of money that gets saved as, as a result. What's the first step someone needs to take in order to begin to reduce the financial stress on them and their family? It's really identifying where the stress is coming from. We can all talk about different strategies, but where is it coming from? Is it because you lost your job? Is it because you have to find a new job? Is it because the unemployment, you know, why it's still getting paid, it's not getting as much as much money? Do you have liquidity? Do you have cash? If you don't, one of the things that might be important is when you understand where this pressure is, and it's coming from pretty much every aspect of your plan, certain things that we can fix immediately and other things that you can't. So once you understand where that is, you can start to take action. And sometimes that utilizes the concept of using your family through interfamily loans to help people bail out. I have a client that was sitting on money in a savings account making less than 1%. And meanwhile, their child had got themselves in a bad predicament with debt and they were paying 18%. So we made a deal where the kid pays the parent 6%. It was a win-win, as long as the kid doesn't get back in, in a debt. Right. <laughs> that it was bad for everybody. But these are things like the pressure. Somebody that I recently was working with, they have, they're married, three kids. All, all three kids are driving, and their car insurance, because everybody had tickets and accidents, was close to $20,000 a year for the five cars. And I was dumbfounded by that. So, you know, go out and shop and see if you can reduce the car insurance and increase the protection. A lot of times that people will go out and get cheap car insurance and not have any liability protection. That's not smart either. So you have to, you really got to understand in this area of my plan, what would be a perfect plan and where am I in, in relationship to that? And what can I do to reduce the expense while maintaining the quality or level of protection that I have? And that's when you start thinking about your plan and the amount of money that's going out of it for things that I don't enjoy. I mean, doing a budget. When was the last time that you did one? Download some software. There's some great software out there. and Just track what you spent for the last three to four months. Because, you know, most of the systems will download like three to four months of transactions. And then really look at that and say, did I really get my enjoyment from that money that I just spent? 
am I really getting enjoyment? You know, that gym membership that might be $50 a month or $20 a month. Am I actually going? When will I be able to go? You know, the $80 that I have now in combined streaming services, am I really watching all that TV? And is it really any good? <laughs> you know, like, and then start cutting things out of that budget and everything that you cut, move to the savings if you can. If you can't, move it to just, you know, sustaining where you are because your income is down. And it really depends on the individual. I mean, there's you know, this financial planning, wealth management is about the individual and it's about being able to weather these storms and all these contingencies that we need to build into the plan when black swan events happen and kids go to college and then they ship them back home to you because, you know, they're worried they're going to get COVID, but they ship the kid back to you with COVID, right? That's happened for, for four people. You got to start with telling the truth about where you are. That's really what it comes down to. I mean, on my corporate website, smallwoodassociates.com, we have a, a financial tool called the Wealth Curve Pressure uh, Conversation. And it's, there's a form you download and you download the form and you fill it out. And it basically kind of walks you through the family, the income, the taxes, the savings rate, the debt structure, the lifestyle, where the current assets are. You know, the big thing is the future obligations. Uh, so many people have made you know, promises to their family for college, for weddings, for bar mitzvahs, cars, et cetera, that are all coming. And it's going to put a lot of pressure. And can your, can your plan handle it? And then the protection area, the life insurance, the disability insurance, long-term care, umbrella policies, wills and trusts, all of this should be as good as it can be, you know, striving towards perfect. And if it's not, how do I build in over the next two to three years to get it towards Perfect, because you're not going to get it done in one shot. There's not enough money in most households. Some there are, but not most. I'm speaking with John Smallwood, president of Smallwood Wealth Management and author of It's Your Wealth, Keep It. John, how can people balance reducing their tax burden with growing their wealth toward retirement? That's a great question, because taxes are a direct inhibitor of that wealth. Basically, the taxes that we pay during the accumulation phase and taxes that we pay during the distribution phase are great destructors of wealth, right? So what I want everybody to do is take a look at what you really paid in taxes last year on your federal, state, and on your W-2 to see what the FICA and the Medicare, and that, that, that came out, and understand how much did I actually pay? Are there strategies that I can do that would have reduced the amount of taxes that I paid? And if I can reduce, let's say I pay 25% in, in taxes, and I can develop a strategy that reduces it from 25% to 24% or 23%. That's 2% reduction can go to your savings. That's a huge increase, right? That's going to get you further along in the plan. And if you can go into your, look at your portfolios and see how that's being taxed, you know, if you have a non-IRA portfolio and you're trading heavily, you might have a lot of short-term gains. And it might make sense to take those short-term gains right now also. But, you know, what's the tax issue that's being generated from your all of your, your, of your money? And what can I do that's different that would reduce the tax burden? And that sometimes is really overwhelming for a lot of people. And that's where you want to seek out a qualified financial advisor and, and an accountant and kind of work together to figure out the strategies to actually do it. Most people do their tax planning on April 
10th when they're preparing for mm-hmm. April 15th, right? Right. Tax planning begins right now. It begins on April 16th, right after you filed, right? And it's a, you know, you start looking, if you own your own home, are you maximizing the mortgage interest deduction? And that's different for different people based upon where they are. Are you making charitable contributions the right way? If you're retired and taking money from your IRA and you're making, you know, charitable contributions, a lot of the custodians will make the charitable contribution before the required minimum distribution is is made, which reduces a lot of other taxes on your plan and the charities still get the same money. So there's ripples, there's things that you can do and I'm throwing things out just to throw things out here, right? But it, it really comes down to is based upon who you are and where you are in your life, the, the makeup of your family and where the income is derived and how it's derived. I mean, self-employment income is a beautiful thing in the moment because you have 199A or qualified business income deductions. Is How do you set yourself up to maximize that for 2020? Um you know, basically what that means, if I'm self-employed and I have the right structure of income and I make $100,000, I'm only going to pay tax on 80. But there's a setup that has to happen to get you there. And that's based upon your business and, and the way you are approaching it. And there's deductions you might want to take in your business that or you might not want to take. It really depends. My point is, there's a lot of ways to do this, but if you can drop your taxes, by 10 or 15% and move that money into your savings plan, you're going to, you know, we spend all our time focusing on the rate of return on our money. And if you think about it for a second, conceptually, this is hard sometimes on the radio. If I have $100,000 and it's making 6% and I can drop my taxes from 30,000 to 25,000, that's a savings of $5,000. And I can contribute that to that savings account. That's another 5% contribution. That's a, you know, at the end of the year, that's an 11% combined increase in your wealth. That's really great stuff long-term. That's going to help you really accumulate a lot more wealth rather than giving it to somebody else. John, a lot of people are out of work due to the pandemic. Uh, what are some measures they can take before securing empl- employment again to alleviate or at least mitigate some financial pressures? Well, Every credit card company, car loan company, mortgage company has very good policies in, a, in effect now that will delay your, your, your payments. They'll tack them on to the end of your mortgages. Um, there's access points where you can take money out of your IRA without taxation, and you can get it paid back over a two-year period, basically, and benefit from that. So what you want to do is take as many of those payments as you can and delay them for as long as you possibly can. And in the meantime, you know, depending on where you are, as far as the employment, what your training is, and where you're, you know, like the travel industry, there's no jobs coming back anytime soon. Those big corporate travel agencies are decimated. So it might make sense for you to use, to go take advantage of some education and retrain yourself to get a different job in a different position or shift the industry. But I think you have to utilize the tools that are out there. And this is a great time also for a lot of people because of the unemployment. And I believe there'll be more stimulus between now and the election. That's my belief. I don't know if that's true or not. But 
that's an opportunity to take some of that money and reinvest it in additional education for yourself to potentially shift an industry or, hey, I always wanted to be in this industry. I've been stuck in this other one. This is a point to kind of reinvent myself. And if I have to take a cut in income, maybe I need to go in and redesign my financial strategy because I'm going to be in a better job. I'm going to have more fun and more enjoyment. I can do it for longer, but it's going to require, you know, a remake or a redo or a makeover of the way I spend money. This is a point where you got to take control and you have to get yourself using all the social media, you know, contact things, but you need to get yourself out there and known as quickly as possible to get rehired when you're there. Cause a lot of people don't want to get rehired because they're, they're kind of sitting back and collecting the extra money and they looking forward to it coming in again. And the reality is the employers, the smaller employers will take people that want to work and that are interested and they're looking for people, not every industry. How does debt structure factor into alleviating financial pressure? If you think about it, if I have a, like a 10-year loan or I have a loan that's older, to pay that loan off over a 10-year period requires a lot more payments. And right now, interest rates in most cases have gone, I'm seeing a lot of people coming in with four and a half, five percent interest rates on on their mortgages. And and if you just simply refinance and extend the maturity, take 10, 12 years to pay it back, take 15 years, take 30 years to pay it back at these lower interest rates, that's going to alleviate the monthly payment, which would allow you to, you know, one, sustain maybe yourself a little better while you're in this in, in this time frame, but also you know, what most people lack is the cash, right? Meaning they don't have that emergency fund. And if you can use the lower payments to establish an emergency fund, when, when, the, when this crisis occurs again, or the markets are down, or you lose your job again, you're in a better spot. So you kind of like, there's no rush to pay off a 2%, 2.5% mortgage. Like we've never seen interest rates like this, this, this low. This is a tremendous opportunity to kind of recast all your debt, extend your maturities. I could always prepay debt. Let's say I took a 30-year loan. I could always turn it into a 20-year loan or a 10-year loan by making extra payments to it or prepaying it in the future. You know, it really comes down to the individual and the strategy. But the problem is, you know, at two and a half, three, three and a half percent, it's going to probably make more sense to put money somewhere else during that time frame. And, you know, if you think back 15 years ago now, interest rates in the bank, you could get a savings account at a six and a half percent rate. And now that same savings account is 0.8 percent. Ten years from now, if interest rates are back up to six and a half percent, do I want to pay off my two and a half percent loan? Probably not because I have I'm making more on my money outside. It, it depends. But the longer the payment time frame the easier it is to make those payments. But there are certain things that you don't necessarily want to do that on either. You see people do it with car loans and they extend the car loans out 72 months and, you know, the car's dead in 36 months. You know, that's not mm-hmm. a good day. So you have to look at, this has to be, you have to put it in context. You have to look at what is it that I'm doing? Is it my student loans? Yeah, pay those off over a long run. Invest the money elsewhere. You know, if it's a car loan, I'm going to say no to that because that's just something that's... Where can people go to get more information on managing their wealth? They can come to our website, the John L. Smallwood website. JohnLSmallwood.com has a lot of content on it. Our Smallwood Associates has a lot of content on it. 
But there's some really fantastic uh, podcasts and blogs that you can subscribe to that are really great also. We have one, um, but there's a lot of really good ones that are available out there. A lot of great talk shows. But I think one of the things that you want to look for is an organization that's close to you that provides educational seminars. Excuse me, I'm choking. Um, that provides edu- educational seminars where you can get information about different strategies and then the key is to connect them. Meaning, I learned about strategy A and I learned about strategy B. How does strategy A and B work in my in my in my plan? But there's a lot of resources out there. A lot of the big uh, financial institutions actually have some good content out out there as as well. This, the Certified Financial Planning Organization, the CFP.org, has great information also, and they can refer you to people in your area. I've been speaking with John Smallwood, a Certified Financial Planner, President of Smallwood Wealth Management, and author of It's Your Wealth, Keep It. John, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I really appreciate it, Vicki. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Welcome to the end of the video. Smallwood Wealth Management is an investment advisor representative. The opinions expressed by Smallwood Wealth Management and guests on this show are their own. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice, information presented for this educational purposes only. Moreover, no listener should assume that any discussions or information presented serves as a receipt of or substitute for personalized advice from Smallwood Wealth Management or from any other investment professional and is not intended as an offer of solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Smallwood Wealth Management is not a law firm or an accounting firm, and no portion of this presentation should be interpreted as legal, accounting, or tax advice. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as a recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Thank you for listening.